Well, hey, I hope you're doing well. I want to dive right in this morning. We're going to be in the book of 2 Kings. We started last week. We looked at Elisha. We looked at Elisha's call from Elijah. We looked at the fact that Elijah heard from the Lord and just went and put his cloak upon Elisha, put his mantle upon Elisha, which was calling him. And Elisha was obedient, responded right away. He was excited, came to Elijah. Elijah said, oh no, what have I done to you? And Elisha went back. He burned the plows. He he, he burned the oxen. Uh, he fed the family. Uh, he, he said goodbye. He was eager. He was eager. He was eager to be obedient to the Lord, wasn't he? And so we're going to fast forward uh, to, through Elisha's ministry uh, to a place in 2 Kings. We're going to start in chapter 3, and we're going to look at basically two stories this morning of Elisha's ministry. Two stories. Y'all okay for two stories? All right, two stories. The, pa- the past don't play till tomorrow night now at 5, so we're good. And if you cheer for any other team, we're praying for you this morning, okay? But... Um, but, uh, but two stories, and, uh, and the first one we're going to look at is a story basically where God tells Elisha, well, let's just read it, let's just read it. Chapter 3, we're going to start in verse 5 of 2 Kings. But when Ahab died, the king of Moab rebelled against the king of Israel. So King uh, Jehoram marched out of Samaria at that time and mustered all Israel. And he went and sent word to Jehoshaphat, king of Judah, the king of Moab has rebelled against me. Will you go with me to battle against Moab? And he said, I will go. I am as you are, my people as your people, my horses as your horses. Then he said, by which way shall we march? Jeroham answered, by the way of the wilderness of Edom. So the king of Israel went with the king of Judah and the king of Edom. And when they they had made a circuitous motion... March, excuse me, of seven days, there was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Now, I want to set this up even deeper. Let's pause for just a moment. If you go back to chapter 2 and you look at verse 19, we see that, Behold, the situation of the city is pleasant as my Lord sees, but the water is bad and the land is un. Fruitful, verse 22, so the water had been healed to this day according to the word that Elisha had spoke. So the the water of the land is bad. The land is unfruitful. As a result, you fast forward, there's there's a rebellion happening. There's a battle that is coming. There's a march that goes on, but the water is, is, um, had run out. There was no water for the army or for the animals that followed them. Then the king, verse 10 of chapter 3 of Israel, said, Alas, the Lord has given these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Jehoshaphat said, Is there no prophet of the Lord here through whom we may inquire of the Lord? Then one of the king of Israel's servants said, Elisha, the son of Shaphat, is here, who poured water on the hands of Elijah. Now, now that was, that was fascinating, right? Because that was Elisha's resume. You see that? that at, at this servant came uh, to the king and said, well, we've got Elisha here. He, he put, he's the one that poured water on the hands of Elijah. What did that mean? He served Elijah. He served Elijah. 
See, see, I think so many of us, this, this is free. This isn't even in the notes this morning. This is just for free. So many of us think that we have to be something. We have to have been somewhere. We have to have this education. We have to do this. We have to do that in order for God to be able to use us. No. We see all throughout Scripture that God uses anyone who's obedient to Him. Most often, servants, right? Elisha had poured water on the hands of Elijah. I love that. He had poured water on the hands of Elijah, and Jehoshaphat said, the word of the Lord is with him. As a result, so the king of Israel and Jehoshaphat and the king of Edom went down to him. Verse 13, and Elisha said to the king of Israel, what have I to do with you? I love what's happening here. Go to the prophets of your father and to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, No, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. Now, Elisha is doing something here that he learned from Elijah. He's got a little attitude, right? You've rebelled against God, right? Now you're coming to me and you're asking me for help. Why don't you go back to the prophets of your father? Go back to the prophets, you know, those, those gods that you were serving. Those, you, you know, you've rebelled against God. So go to those gods that you're serving now. Elijah told the prophets um, earlier in Scripture, hey, uh, I don't think God can hear you. Uh, he told the prophets to shout louder. He told him, maybe your God's on vacation. Maybe he's sleeping. He even went as far as to say, maybe your God is in the bathroom. Remember that? But the truth here is that Jehoshaphat wasn't doing what he was supposed to do, but he feared God now. Because he says, no. He says, no. Uh, Elisha says, go, go uh, to the prophets of your father, go to the prophets of your mother. But the king of Israel said to him, no, it is the Lord who has called these three kings to give them into the hand of Moab. And Elisha said, as the Lord of hosts lives... Before whom I stand, were it not that I have regard for it, Jehoshaphat, the king of Judah, I would neither look at you nor see you. Elisha is telling them, I'm not doing this for you. I'm doing this for God. Elisha had his heart right. And what he's doing here and telling them and telling them what he's telling them that, 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 that as the Lord of hosts lives before whom I stand, I stand before God. I give account before God, right? And so I'm keeping God in his proper place. I would neither look at you nor see you. So he, 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 it was God he stood for, not these kings. Verse 15, but now bring me a musician. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. How many of you, how many of you, when you work, you just got to have some music on, right? Like you're working in the garage, you're, you're doing, we were cleaning out our garage yesterday, trying to get our snow shovels. I know you don't want to hear that, but we were kind of trying to get our garage ready for winter a little bit, cleaning things up, putting some summer things away, mourning, grieving process, all those things, right? And, and, we brought, and we brought the little Bluetooth speaker out there. We had some music playing. And I thought, you know, Elisha, man, that's awesome. He needed some mood music here as he's about to, as he's about to bring the problem. He was probably an Enneagram 3 for you Enneagram lovers. 
Okay, we see that right here in the text. If you're not, uh, anyway, we'll move on, right? But bring me a musician. He needed the mood, mood music. And when the musician played, the hand of the Lord came upon him. And he said, thus says the Lord, I will make this dry stream bed full of pools. Now, I know we, I know we said a lot of things. We set this story up. Let me go back to the beginning. The water's bad, right? The water's bad. Chances are they had prepared some water, they had brought some water with them that was good for their animals and for the people, but that had run out, and here they're about to go to battle, right? There's about to be a standoff, and they don't have any water. That was their issue. That's why they called Elisha. That's why Elisha got the mood music, because he's about to hear from the Lord and, 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 and command the people what to do, right, to, for the water to come. And what happens? God says through Elisha, I'm about to make this dry stream bed full of pools. The New King James Version says this, thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, dying of thirst, do manual labor under desert sun. And so what, what God is calling these guys to do is grab a shovel, dig some ditches, prepare, prepare for water, right? Prepare for water. For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain, but that stream bed, those ditches shall be filled with water so that you shall drink you, your livestock and your animals. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. Verse 18. He will also give the Moabites into your hand and you shall attack every fortified city and every choice city and shall, and shall fell every good tree and stop up all springs of water and ruin every good piece of land with stones. I love what Elisha said there. This is a light thing in the sight of the Lord. What, what, was, what was he saying? That your desperate need is easy for God. Right? So, we see here that this theme of this passage is that if we want God's blessing, we may have to dig some ditches. We may have to grab a shovel, right? See, the posture that many of us take when we need God to move, when we need God to move, right, is we, is we just, right, we're sitting there, we're sitting there, we, we ask, we pray, we, 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 we tell God our current reality, and then we just kind of wait. All right, God, right? And I imagine that the army, when they turned to Elisha, probably thought the same thing. Hey, Elisha's going to come. He's going to fix this. Elisha's going to come. He's going to fix this. Right? We've, we've kind of fallen into a thing, and we, we like to say this around Summit, that the body's most effective when the body ministers to the body. Why do we say that? Why do we say that? Because we fell into a habit as the church, right, where when something goes wrong, when something happens, we just call the pastor. He can fix everything. I've even heard this. Pastor, I need you to pray for me because you've got the direct line to the big guy. Man, I, sometimes I wish that was true, bud. But, but, but I don't think, I think that's bad. That's just, well, that's not theology. Let's just go there, right? Right? That's not, Right? And so, and so the folks that are sitting here, this army, right? Let's, let's get Elisha. He's going to fix this thing. And what does Elisha do? He shows up and he hears from God and he says, grab a shovel. 
We're out here in the desert. We've got to dig some ditches. If we want God to bless us, if we want some water to show up, we've got to start digging. We've got to start digging. We've got to start digging. Um, a friend of mine named Johnny Erickson Tata, she, um, I say friend, we've hung out a couple times, but she, let's just say a lady I look up to, okay? Um, she's, she's paraplegic. She um, has a worldwide ministry, and she wears a necklace every day. She tells this story because she has a, she has a staff all over the world, right? She's grown this ministry from nothing to, to serving families with disability, affected by disability all over the world, all, literally all over the world. And, and when she goes and, and when, she, um, when she's talking to people about her ministry, right, she, she always says this. She says, I trust God because he's got the bigger shovel, right? And she's got a little necklace, and she's got God's shovel, which is bigger, and she's got Johnny's shovel, which is quite a bit smaller, right? And it's the reminder for her that God is the ultimate giver, right? God's the ultimate giver. He's got the bigger shovel. We've already looked at it a couple weeks ago, standing in front of the valley of dry bones. Can these bones live? God, you know, standing against the Red Sea, right? The army's coming at us. The mountains are over here. The sea's behind us. God, if we're going to cross this thing, it's going to be you that makes it happen. And they pass through on dry land. God's the ultimate giver. But sometimes, sometimes, listen to me, church, sometimes he wants us to grab a shovel, He wants us to grab a shovel. Look at somebody next to you and say, God's the ultimate giver. God's the ultimate giver. Come on now. Come on now. So, in other words, how in the world are y'all wearing shorts? In other words, we need to prepare for God's blessing. Think about it. Israel, Israelites marched around uh, for six days before the walls fell. Paul was alone for three years in Arabia after his conversion, before missionary journeys, before church planting, before any of that. Jesus prayed all night before selecting his disciples and come, coming and, 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 and asking them to follow him and them dropping their nets and following him. How did the Israelites prepare? Three things. Number one, obeying when it seemed foolish. Obeying when it seemed foolish. Elisha looks at him and says, hey, we've got to dig some ditches. We've got to prepare for water. I know the water is bad, but God promises to bring water. If we just, he'll make this stream bed full of water. We've just, we've got to prepare the land. We've got to dig some ditches. We've got to get it ready. Okay, okay, folks, here's what we're going to do. Everybody get busy digging ditches. Can you just hear? I mean, let's place ourselves. We've got about 130 people out here today. Let's place our 130 people out there. And Elisha, Jeff Coffin over here next to the soundboard, he's our Elisha, and he tells us all to start digging some ditches. I can hear group three now complaining. I can hear it now. They're sending group two. They're talking to this side of group two right here because they think that Elisha can't see them. And they're whispering, are y'all going to do this? Y'all going to do this? Because, man, I, I, I don't know if I trust him. Hey, there's that group of people down the road. They're not digging ditches. Let's just go over there. Let's join that army. Hmm. I can hear them start to complain now. Right? Can't you? Can't you? Obeying when it seemed foolish. Dig ditches? I came here to fight. I came here to battle. 
I came here to do this. Right? What a lesson. What a lesson. Sometimes God's calling doesn't look like what you initially signed up to do, does it? Does it? I mean, Pastor Rick Oshner, he pastored for like 75 years. And he comes up to me this morning. He says, did you ever think that you'd be preaching in a yard in Maine on October 11th when God called you into ministry 20 years ago? No. No. This looks different than what I had in mind. This looks different. This looked different and even foolish had to to these Israelites that were there to battle. And Elisha's saying, grab a shovel, right? Grab a shovel. Second thing, they obeyed when it seemed difficult. The ground's too hard. I didn't bring a shovel. Have you ever tried to dig a ditch with a spear or a sword? And back, oh man, three years ago, Dylan, right? Three years ago, uh, three and a half years ago, we were digging these holes um, in Gorham for this, for this playground equipment, for this thing we did called We Love Gorham. And I think we went to two or three different rental companies. We got two or three different ditch diggers to finally dig the holes that we needed. And, 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 and even then, the ground was so rocky. I will never forget watching watching Dylan run this machine that was about three or four sizes too big for him and, and digging holes that were way bigger than what we needed, but it was the only way we could get there because the soil was too rocky, it was too hard, it was too this, it was too that. But we got him dug. I don't know about you, but have you ever said recently, God, I just can't do that? God, it doesn't make sense. I can't do that. Is there anything in your life that God's talked to you about recently that would be really difficult for you to take care of? Like maybe doing a capital campaign in the midst of COVID. God, I can't do that. But these Israelites, they obeyed when it seemed difficult, when the ground was too hard, when they didn't even bring a shovel. No one carried a shovel into battle. Right? The third thing, they obeyed completely. They obeyed completely. They grabbed a shovel. They dug. And and then the promise in verse 17, For thus says the Lord, you shall not see wind or rain. This isn't going to make sense. But that stream bed, those ditches shall be filled with water so that you shall drink you, your livestock, and your animals. What does that mean? God's going to overflow the thing. God's going, to do, God's going to do more than they could have expected, right? God's going to do more. I don't know about you, but I'm thankful that I serve a God that does more than I expect. More than I expect. So my question for us, before we keep going, before we keep going, how completely are we obeying God? How thoroughly? When God says dig a ditch in this area of your life, do we dig? They obeyed so completely that there was enough for the army, their horses, their cattle. And not only that, but there was so much left over in verse 22 that the king of Moab saw the sun shining off the water that was left and thought that it was blood. They said, all right, the kings got mad at each other. Their armies killed each other. Let's go clean up what's left. And a great victory was won that day because they obeyed thoroughly enough. And what did the Israelites receive? 
They received water to relieve their thirst. They received water to believe their thir- to relieve their thirst. Listen to me. Are you thirsty for more of God? I don't know about you, but I am. Man, there is something. Every, every morning that we pray as a worship team before church, uh, man, the, the last few weeks I've just prayed. I've been praying for a stirring. I've just been praying for a stirring of God's people. Man, because I believe it's coming. I believe it's coming. If you're not thirsty, you ought to be. Right? For more of God. For more of God. Do you want to know Him better? Do you want to get a sense of His presence in your life? Do you want to, do you want to have more of His power for living? I was sitting... I was at a funeral yesterday. I was at a funeral yesterday, and um, and and this guy comes up to me after a funeral. He had, after the after the service, he had heard that I was a pastor, and he said, "Listen, he give me he gives me a business card, and he says, hey, will you call me? Because I just want to tell people about Jesus. And so, if there's anybody, if you know of a house that I can just go knock on and tell somebody about Jesus, I'm just I'm just trying to tell people about Jesus. I'm like, man." You're cool. And you know, he's the drummer at the church there, and he's a left-handed drummer, so I just felt a connection with him right off because everybody tells us that our drums are set up backwards. It's offensive. But I, so I just felt a connection with this guy right offhand because he just wanted to tell people about Jesus. Listen, I believe, that, I believe that we're here this morning to ask ourselves the question, are we thirsty for something better? Are we thirsty for something more? Are we thirsty for something deeper? Do we even recognize we're thirsty at all? God wants to fill our valleys with water, but we have to dig the ditches. Two takeaways from this passage. Number one, your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. Your greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives you to depend on God. 2 Kings three sixteen, and he said, Thus says the Lord, make this valley full of ditches, dying of thirst, do manual labor under desert sun. Greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. When there's nowhere else, when we're standing against the sea and we have nowhere else to turn except for God to split the sea wide so that we can walk across on dry land. Our greatest need becomes a blessing when it drives us to depend on God. When it drives us to depend on God. Secondly, only God can send the water, but He wants us to dig a ditch. Only God can send the water, but He wants us to dig a ditch. James chapter 2, verse 26, Just as the body is dead without breath, so also faith is, out dead, with, is, so also faith is dead without good works. Do you really think Do you really think that God needed the troops to dig ditches? No. He could have done it, right? He could have provided the water another way. He could have done it differently. He could have done it differently. Show you my faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. Show me me your faith and I'll show you my faithfulness. See, many times God wants us to participate in his miracles. We just looked at the seven signs in John. Stretch out your hand, pick up your mat, wash your eyes. The next morning, 2 Kings chapter 3, verse 20, the next morning about the time for the offering of the sacrifice, there it was, water flowing from the direction of Edom, and the land was filled with water. Put my faith in action. Dig some ditches. 
Got it? Grab a shovel. Grab a shovel. And then the second story I want to look at, you look at chapter 4. Just turn the page in your Bible. Look at chapter 4. Starting in verse 1. Now the wife of one of the sons of the prophets cried to Elisha, Your servant, my husband, is dead. And you know that your servant feared the Lord, but the creditor has come to take my two children to be his slaves. And Elisha said to her, What shall I do for you? Tell me, what have you in this house? And she said, Your servant has nothing in this house except a jar of oil. Then he said, Go outside, borrow vessels from all your neighbors, empty vessels and not too few. Then go in, shut the door behind yourself and your sons and pour into all these vessels. And when one is full, set it aside. So she went from him and shut the door behind herself and her sons. And she poured, uh, as she poured, they brought, uh, they brought the vessels to her. When the vessels were full, she said to her son, Bring me another vessel. And he said to her, There's not another. Then the oil stopped flowing. She came and told the man of God, and he said, Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you, your sons, can live on the rest. So right after, right after, I mean, we see at the, we see at the, um, uh, at the end of verse 12, there came great wrath against Israel. They withdrew from him and returned to their own land. Now the wife of one of the sons of your prophets. Okay? So we don't know the name. We don't know the name of this prophet. Jewish tradition show, tells us, and we can probably, we could probably surmise that, that it was the wife of Obadiah, a prophet who had hidden and supported 50 prophets. And the truth is, in this time, it was not uncommon for a prophet to be in financial trouble. It was not uncommon for a prophet to be persecuted. It was not uncommon for a prophet to be on the run. And humanly speaking, this widow now, her husband has, has died, right? Humanly speaking, she had almost no hope. And I want you to see the, two, the similarities between these two miracles that Elisha is a part of. When you don't have what you really want, God is what you really need. How does Elisha respond? He looks and says, he looks and says, what shall I do for you? What shall I do for you? Right? He, he responds kind of like, not my problem, good luck to you. And all she can think about is what she doesn't have. So what do we do when we don't have much? We stop waiting for what we want. We start working with what we have. Your servant has nothing at all except a small, a small jar of olive oil. Now this oil would have been used for cooking, burning and lamps, medicine to make leather pliable, to keep iron from rusting, to anoint uh, as an offering to God. And I don't know about you, church, but I'm so thankful that I've got a God who knows how to do a lot with a little. We serve a God that knows how to do a lot with a little. We've looked at five loaves, two fish recently. A single stone in the hands of a boy can, with faith can slay a giant. Little faith, faith as a side of a mustard seed can move a mountain. And here's, here's, here's the takeaway. Offer God what we have and trust Him to give Him what we need. Offer God what we have and trust Him to give us what we need. As long as there was an empty jar, God was going to fill it. God was going to fill it. And what, did, what, what, what could be done with these full jars as they poured, right? And what does Elisha tell her at the end? Go sell the oil, pay your debts, and you and your sons live on the rest. God provided a way through Elisha. 
Think about the empty jars. It didn't matter what the empty jar looked like. Elisha said, don't go, don't go just find, don't go find one type of empty jar. Go find, go find any empty jar that you could, any empty jar that you can. And listen to me, God can use any shape or any size vessel. The key is it has to be empty. Right? Pour out what's in there. It's got to be empty. It's got to be empty. And so we've got this army that has no water. They need water. What are they told? Dig ditches. And we've got, this, we've got this, this widow and her two sons, right? And her debtor wants to, wants to come and, 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 uh, and, and take her two sons as servants because she can't pay him. Her husband's died. He was a prophet. He didn't make much, so they didn't, have, they didn't have retirement. They didn't have a backup plan. They didn't have any of that, right? We've seen what prophets do. In, in, in Elisha last week, he burned his plan B. He didn't have anything to go back to, right? So was the case with, with most prophets in this time. They weren't in this to, to make a lot of money. They weren't in this to provide. They weren't in this to do it. Right, and uh, and and so and so, we have Elisha show up. What am I going to do here? What do you have? And she's like, I've got this little jar of oil. Go get, go get as many jars as you can. Go get as many jars as you can. And God fills, God fills, and we see that the oil is useful, right, for cooking, anointing, offering, all these different things that we read. It makes the leather pliable. All these different things. All these different things, right? So now it's useful, and you've got a tons of it. Go sell enough. Go sell it, right? Pay off your debts, live off the rest. Right? Pay off your debts, live off the rest. I think there's four things that these two stories have in common that we see from Elisha. And the first one is this. The people needed God to do something. The people needed God to do something. God, we need you to send water. God, I need you to provide. My husband is gone. I have no provision here. They needed God to do something. Are you in a place where you need God to do something? Are you in a place where you need a miracle? Are you in a relationship where you need a miracle? Are you in a place financially where you need a miracle? Listen, are we in a place as a church where we need God to do something? This means yes. This means no. I know, I know you're shivering. I'm trying. I'm trying to go as fast as I can. We're in a place where we need God to do something. This building closes in 16 days, y'all. Y'all understand y'all? The, the y'all there? 16 days. And this thing's not ours anymore. We're now tenants. In 16 days. Herb says hallelujah. Anybody else scared? Okay, good. I'm not alone, right? Right? We're in a place where we need God to do something. We're in a place where we need God to do something. We're going to have to start grabbing a shovel, digging some ditches. We're going to have to get some jars together, right? Both of these stories, this widow and this army, they needed God to do something. Secondly, secondly, Elisha checked their heart. In both stories, we see Elisha check their heart. When he's talking to the, to the army, right, he's checking their heart. Who am I? He says, who am I? Go to the prophets of your father. Go to the prophets of your mother right? Who am I? And what's he doing there? He's checking the king's heart. He's saying, who are you going to depend on? You looking to God, right? Are you looking to God or, or, or what? Because he's saying, listen, I'm not standing for you as kings. I'm standing for God. And then with the widow, he says, what, what do you want me to do about this? Right? What do you want me to do about this? What do you have? What do you have? And so in both situations, he makes sure 
Hey, who are you depending on? So in your relationship, in your finances, in your workplace, and all those things, who are you depending on? Who are you depending on? In our situation as a church, who are we depending on? Right? Where's our faith? Or we look into the God that can split the sea, the God that can make the dry bones live, the God that can, the God that can provide the oil for this widow, the guy that can, the God that can provide water for the army. Or are we sitting there saying, you know what? We can do this. I hope not the latter. I hope not the latter. Elisha checks their heart in both stories. Number three, they were obedient in response. I mean, we looked at the army. They, they obeyed completely. They obeyed when it was foolish. They obeyed when it didn't make sense, right? They obeyed completely. They obeyed completely. And the widow, right? What if, what if she'd have gone out and, excuse me, just looked at the vessels that she had? Right? What, what, what if she would have just looked around and said, well, I've got, I've got three or four empty jars here. That might, that might be enough to pay the debts. Well, then how are you going to live? Right? And so many of us, so many of us, this, this really convicted me this past week because so many of us look for just enough. Just enough. Right? I can, I can do this and it'll be just enough. I can do this and it'll be just enough. Listen, 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 listen. We talked about it last week. I don't believe that God did what he did in the gospel so that we could live a just enough life. Please, God wants to overflow. God wants to overflow. They were obedient in response. Both stories, they were obedient in response. The army, they dug ditches. The widow, she went around, she found every, she found every, every possible vessel. Empty vessel. And then number four, God poured out blessing. In both stories, we see there was plenty of water. We see there was plenty of oil. God poured out His blessing. God poured out His blessing. God poured out His blessing. God is the ultimate giver. He's got the bigger shovel. You know how we know that? John 3.16, For God so loved the world. Who's the world? Us. For God so loved the world that He gave His one and only Son, Jesus, that whoever believes in Him would not perish but have everlasting life. God gave Jesus that we may have access to Him and have access to eternal life. God is the ultimate giver, church family. God's the ultimate giver. 2 Corinthians 4, 7, Paul tells the church at Corinth, but we have this treasure in jars of clay. So fast forward, fast forward. Listen, 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 listen. If you're, if you're still listening to me this morning, we are the jars. We're the jars. We're the empty vessels. We're the ditches. We're the ditches. The oil is symbolic, the water is symbolic of the Holy Spirit. And so if you look at this, right, if you look at this, I know you may not want to consider yourself a, a, a jar or a ditch this morning, but just follow me here, right? If we're empty vessels, if we're these empty ditches, the Holy Spirit's the water, the Holy Spirit's the oil to fill us up. Listen, 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 listen. We are the jars. We 
are the shovels. We're going to sing a song that says, Give me faith. And I love the bridge of this song where it says, I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. I may be weak, but your spirit's strong in me. Empty yourself of what doesn't matter, and God will fill you with what does. Because here's the truth, church God's looking for empty vessels. God's looking for empty vessels. Empty yourself. Recognize your brokenness and your need for God in your situation. And then listen, listen, as a church, as a church, right, we have a great need ahead of us. We have a great need in front of us. Can we just bring our brokenness? Can we bring our empty vessels? Can we bring ourselves and just say, God, as you wish. As you wish. As you, as you wish. Because what would it look like if each and every one of us emptied ourselves and said, God, fill us up. Fill us up. What does it look like if each one of us grab a shovel and we just say, okay, God, okay, God, I don't see it. It doesn't make sense to me. We, we talked about it last week, that following God, even when you can't see the end, even when you can't see the, 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 the result, right? I'm just going to keep digging, God. I'm going to keep digging. I must stay faithful. I believe in you. I trust in you. This seems weird to me. This doesn't make sense to me, but I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep digging. I'm going to keep emptying myself. I'm going to keep pouring myself out. I'm going to trust God that you're going to show up. Let me ask you something. Do you trust him enough to pick up a shovel? Do you trust him enough to reject the passivity of the Christian life? Just showing up? Just thinking going to church is good enough? Just thinking, you know, just going to keep doing what, what I've been doing. prayer is that you grab a shovel this morning. My prayer is that you'd empty your vessel. Say, okay, God, this water's a little stale. Fill me up with some fresh water. Oh, what I believe God could do with a group of empty vessels. I pick up a shovel. Say, God, where do you want me to dig? What do you want me to press into? What do you want me to prepare the way for? Where do I need to, where do I need to insert myself? Where do I need to place myself? Where do I need to stand? Where do I need to dig? Would you trust God enough to have that conversation with Him? And as we're singing this song, say, God, I want to hear from you. God, give me the faith to trust you when it's foolish. Give me the faith to trust you when it's confusing. Give me the faith to trust you when it's hard. Give me the faith to keep my eyes on you when it's good. Give me the faith to deny myself 
when there's plenty. Because some of us, it's not that things are bad and we're walking around with our heads held low. Some of us are struggling to recognize our need for God because we think we've just got it. And maybe this morning, the emptying yourself is emptying the pride and remembering who you are and most of all, whose you are. And so as we sing, would you pray, God, speak. Speak. I don't want to be passive. I don't want to just show up. Speak. Show me. Tell me. Make me. Take me. God, speak to us. In Jesus' name.